cream soda. <laughs> nice. You, you like cream soda? Yeah. You, you're, you're a f delinquent, as far as I'm concerned. I love cream soda, mate, but it's got to be the cheap £1 shit. The good stuff's too sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense in itself. Cream soda's rank. I don't know. It's like it's not lemonade. Flavor, isn't it? That's all it is. Uh, no, I see, now I like vanilla, but I don't like cream soda. It's rank. Well, then you're the f delinquent, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Welcome once again to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. This is Benny Mac, and joining me for this episode, and for all future episodes, I might as well say, uh, Sai, how are you, buddy? Oh, you're edging your bets if you're thinking all future episodes, mate. We'll have to say you behave, <laughs> won't we? Okay. You're very bitter today. Is I'm it doing because... all right, Benny. I'm doing, I'm doing all right, mate. I'm doing all right. How are you today? I'm okay. I, I'm worried about you, actually, by the sounds of it, because to be totally honest, we know this is not your favourite episode <laughs> where we're going to be heading next. So are you bitter uh, that I've made you watch uh, it? Because you don't sound your chirpy self, mate, to be totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get it out of the way right away before we get into anything else, Okay. I'm not a fan of this episode for various reasons, which we'll get into. Yeah. But it is still Quantum Leap, so I do still love it from that aspect. So I'm not going to be. Don't everyone sort of start pressing stop or pause or turning us <laughs> off the right way? I'm not going to be a completely horrible negative Nelly all the way through. It's still Quantum Leap. I still love it, but in comparison to the rest of the series, yeah. I'm not a massive fan. That's fair enough. I I, I think there are future episodes are going to be. Um, some are going to be, some are really awesome because obviously the opening episode we did in the pilot, you know, we, um, for, for, you know, to introduce ourselves, we were talking about some of our favorite moments and we're, you know, we've, these are the ones we remember off the top of our head. So going back and watching them from start to finish and when, so, I mean, there's some parts in this episode, I will admit that I didn't remember in fairness. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'll be honest. I, I completely forgot this episode existed until i looked on the back of the dvd and saw the name of it <laughs> I, I completely forgot about this whole uh this whole story this whole leap this, this whole episode and it's only like you know the second episode of the bloody series but i completely forgot it existed yeah and then i saw the name of it and saw this is the next one we're covering and my heart sank a little bit <laughs> well your good, good news is for, obviously you got the same dvds as me we now we are now off disc one we'll be uh onto disc two <laughs> going forward i i watched this on the sci-fi channel mate oh did you so you brought the dvds <laughs> yeah. anyway and then <laughs> watched them on sci-fi it was on it was on eight o'clock last night so my virgin media box just automatically recorded it for me oh, so nice. i just bought, i just i just watched that rather than dicking around trying to sort out scart leads and plug with dvd player in do you know what i mean <laughs> so you spent i don't know how much you spent on the dvds i mean i i spent i bought them years ago so i'm assuming prices have probably haven't dropped that much because it's one of those series that i don't think gets a lot of i mean there was talk years ago about a blu-ray edition being released i don't think it okay I've, i think season one got one but i don't i can't verify that um and I, if that did well, I was under the impression that they would do redo them all in Blu-ray, which I'd be freaking all over because I'm that type. I mean, I brought my Xbox purely the disc version so I could watch DVDs. Still, I'm still that person. I still watch a lot of streaming TV, but I watch. I ha I can't not watch my Quantum Leap DVDs. I don't have sci-fi, right. so you know. <laughs> every night there are weirdly, certain... weirdly. I mean, oh. they, they weren't they weren't massively expensive, and and I bought them season by season not 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 like the box set you can pick up for anything for like you know 50 to 80 quid depending on where you look online for like the whole thing in a, in a pretty cool 
um, <clears throat> Quantum Leap sparkly box kind of effort. Yeah. But this, I bought these um, bit by bit because it actually worked out cheaper to buy season one on its own than season two on its own and so on. It does and they vary between yeah. like two ninety nine up to a five or six quid, whatever. Oh, Apart actually, from season know. four, season four was like crazy expensive, like double any of the others. I've got no idea why. That's a bit weird. We'll have to look into that a bit more as we get closer to that, hopefully, because that's a bit... I mean, I brought mine years ago. Uh, well, if anybody remembers uh, going to an actual shop to buy these things, you know, like uh, <laughs> I think MVC was still a business and HMV was doing well at the time. Um, yeah. um, and I went to this, but I didn't even buy it from any there, to be honest. Other shops are available. Um, I actually went and brought it from like an independent DVD seller because I could not. I went to the bigger chains and said, when can I, you know, can you order these? HMV couldn't order it at the time. Season one was like a no-no. I don't know why. Um, went to the other one, couldn't get it. Uh, there was this tiny little DVD shop um, opposite the pub, the Regal. If anybody's aware, in Gloucester, around the area. Oh, okay. Is it the um, the tiny... one that? Well, we're getting very, very specific now. To we Gloucester, are. Yeah. So people who who don't live in Gloucester, I apologise for a moment, but was it like the little sort of square building completely on its own? It was. Yes. I don't know yeah. what the place was called, but it was there, and I walked it. In... I have no idea, mate. I couldn't tell you. I just thought it'd be quite an interesting story where I got the DVD from, really. But I got season one from there. And I think I was probably, I want to say, I was probably in my nearly 18, almost, probably. Um, maybe 19, I'm not sure. I think I feel as though I was somewhere in my sort of 16, between 16 and 18 years old. And I spent like, I think I ended up buying it from like there for like twelve ninety nine because I couldn't get it anywhere else. And it was just like, I don't know why it was a thing. Because, I mean, internet was around, obviously, but it wasn't as uh, populated with, I don't think Amazon was a thing yet. (laughs) I have no idea, to be honest, at that point. Mm -hmm. It wasn't readily accessible to me anyway. So I think roughly, I would say minimum, I've spent probably 15 quid on each season. Minimum, I would say, back in the day. So yeah, (laughs) I I was hoping they'd hold their their, uh, value a little bit i'm not gonna lie but you know it is what it is but yeah that's how i got yeah. mine so i'm fairly certain that became a record store called 45s at one stage yeah i think it it was like a it was a tiny little building i remember it yeah. was a tiny little building like i don't even know what the dimensions were <laughs> to be honest probably like i think at the longest it was probably about 15 feet it was a tiny yeah, little, like, it was a very small, small little block completely on its own just randomly yeah. stuck in the middle of the of the square wasn't it i feel as though it's like one of those places like they have now inside shopping centers where you could just rent the space for your business <laughs> it was one of those mm. type of things you know um <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah that's right but yeah obviously i thought they may be still in the sort of you know 12 pound mark i didn't realize they dropped that much but then it is an old show i guess um yeah yeah, and the annoying thing is for me as well. Um, I like you know, music and so on. I'm very, very proud, and my my CDs, my CD collection is quite expansive, and I, I like to have them up on the shelves, and it looks good, and all that sort of stuff. So my DVDs are very similar to me. I'm not got masses, but I like. I got the box sets now for Quantum Leap as an example. I got some old Doctor Who ones and so on as well. The annoying yeah. thing is, seasons two to five, all their boxes match. They got a little hologram on. They got the same oh, font yeah. and the writing. Season one's completely different, and it pisses me off. Though. I just keep looking at it like this is not this. It don't look right, you know. Yeah, if you're gonna get it, get the get either get the box or match up the boxes. I was exactly the same because I've got yeah. the uh, the hologram looking sort of you know shiny cases on all of them. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I I get that. Um, that's a bit OCD, I think, but I get it. I completely get it, mate. 
<laughs> I'd be peed off with it. Yeah, well, that's it. That's uh, you know, that's, that's that's the issue with me. I think my wife says I got a little bit of OCD going on. <laughs> I, I can get on board with that, to be fair. So, <laughs> uh, you just want it right, didn't you? That's all. There's a, there's a right way of doing things, and there's a correct way of doing things, and that's not correct, is it? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so there so we go. then, so then, um, before we get into this week's actual episode of Quantum Leap, which is Starcrossed, um, season one, episode, well, episode three, I guess, but the first sort of standalone leap, I suppose, first yeah. broadcast, March 31st, 1989. Um, we've got a few relatively active and one or two well-known faces in this episode, <clears throat> Benny, haven't we? So uh, do you want to sort of let everyone listening know where some of these actors and actresses yeah. are from or where they would go on to be from? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, these are tropes, obviously. We did this at the end of the episode last week, but we figured we'd do it at the beginning this time. Um, hopefully that makes more sense. keep you all guessing. Keep you all on your toes. <laughs> well, it makes... I thought we might establish some of the actors. That's all I was getting at, really, on that one. But, yeah, yeah. Sam leaps into... Uh, so what? June fifteenth, nineteen seventy-two. Obviously, as you saw, I said it uh, aired in the. In, I think I don't know when it aired. Now eighty-nine, I guess, because that's when it started. Thirty-first, nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah, I don't have that in front of me. I don't know why they haven't put that on for some strange reason. That makes no sense. That must be a rerun date that I've got here. That's a bit strange. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna fire up Ziggy, and we're gonna look at some. Uh, so some tropes obviously Dean Stockwell <laughs> and Scott Bakula uh, there's a few actors in here that I took note of there was one the woman who plays um, Jamie Lee the uh, student uh, Leslie uh, Sachs her name is and now she's done a uh-huh. few things here and there I, there's no pictures for her for some reason I don't know why but um, she's been in stuff like Frasier um, uh, as a character called Tina ironically I thought it was a bit of a trope there obviously she didn't play Tina in this she's been in X-Files um she was actually in as well as the other actress in this was she actually played a uh character called debbie mallory i don't know whether it was a standalone episode or not but she was also in the new adventures of superman the lois and clark series that also features one of the actors in this one little trope there um yeah and she's done a few other things here and there but those are the ones i could and um she was actually in but with, with regards to um with regards to that actress there Something I couldn't find that maybe you can because you're far more adept at doing this sort of thing than I. Where was she actually from, or where did she grow up? Can you find that out? Did you see? I couldn't find that information anywhere. The only reason, the only reason I ask is because one of the most annoying things I found in this episode was her voice. She yeah. drove me nuts all the way through, and I'm not sure if it was a. She's got quite a strong Southern accent, Southern American accent. Yeah, and um, I'm not sure if that's her real accent or if she's just pulling it on for the sake of the character but my goodness did she get on my nerves <laughs> so another thing to uh uh i'm just looking now because you've put me on the spot here for that because i didn't actually look at that um she was born in 1958 that's helpful uh trying to see put me right on the spot here man i was not expecting that i apologize don't worry about it i mean i could i couldn't find it anywhere when i was trying to Look into it because I wanted to see if she was actually from I don't know somewhere else um, in America. If it's putting the right, on this ridiculous accent, if it's the right one, it kind of looks like her still. It's a picture of a more recent, I guess, is uh, from South Africa by the looks of it originally. But I could be wrong, and oh. I'd have to dive into yeah. that for the next episode and get a look. Maybe uh, maybe that's why the accent was a bit more because she was maybe putting on an American accent. Maybe that southern yeah. sort of uh, thing. It if was that's just the right so one. over the top, wasn't it? And so. Oh, the it character is too much. The, I mean, we'll get into it anyway. But the character itself, the whole like, because it's in the seventies, they're all like 
like, I don't know, into their like romance novels and stuff. There's an English lit teacher he leaps into, obviously. Again, we'll mm-hmm. get into that. Um, it was just one of those, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I know what you mean, the high, almost like a Janice voice from Friends, almost. Not quite as bad, but almost, yeah, yeah you know. Um, <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a little... A uh, little side note to her as well, which might be why she got the role. I don't know. Um, she was actually in Married to the Mob, which I believe um, Dean Stockwell was in. I think he had just done that okay. before he got the Quantum Leap um, gig. He was actually told by Dennis Hopper that don't do Quantum Leap. It's, you know, it's going to TV from film. You'll, you'll ruin your career, which he obviously he didn't. Dean Stockwell mm-hmm. actually career ended up going. I believe he still does stuff every now, every now and again now, really, as we speak. Um, or notably for me, if back in 05, him turning up in uh, Battlestar Galactica, the remake, was uh, quite a nice little like moment of him turning up as a, a, a reoccurring character as Dean Stockwell. So, oh, excellent. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, another one here. So the guy that plays um, Don Elise's father, uh, Michael Gregory, his name um, is, uh, he's done a few things here. The most notable for me um, was he was in Robocop, and again, another actor at this time period that went on and did like sort of like he was in um, the first Beverly Hills Cop film as well. Uh, he's a hotel manager. Okay. Um, he's done voices in video games like Cyberpunk as well. Um, Cyberpunk for gamers, obviously not a, <laughs> the best game, but you know, at least on launch. Um, he's done character voices in World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, um, and he's been in like other th- films like Mexican Gold and stuff like that. And um, he's done quite a lot of different things. It looks like he's later career, he's done more voiceovers than anything else. Um, before we get to uh, Donna Lisi, a- actress, there's one more I want to just mention very quickly. Haven't had a Ziggy sound for a while. Um, there's um, <laughs> Michael McGrady. Now, I was looking at him and oh, he plays Oswald. He's the uh, knuckleheaded boyfriend, which we're going to be talking about, I assume, going through this episode, yeah. among other yeah. things. Um one of the sort of main characters in this episode. And I was like looking at him going, I recognize you from somewhere. Um, and it was kind of, I'm, that's why I said to you, that's why I like doing these tropes. Cause I'm very much a person that will look at an actor and go, I recognize you. And I, I will sit there and go, where are you from? And half the time, sometimes I find somebody and go, you look really familiar. And I find like, no, I haven't seen anything that you've done. Where have I seen you before then? And sometimes it might be in something they've done where they were uh, uncredited. They might just be like a very small part. So, mm-hmm. you know, they don't get credited in the credits, but they, um, you know, I assume they get paid for the role, but <laughs> they don't get credited. Um, but Michael McGrady, again, another actor that's done quite a few things that you may have seen. Um, we did mention it before we came on air, but he did a series called Beyond. Uh, not a bad series, only lasted for two seasons, unfortunately. Um, took a little bit to get into, but he was played the father. He was also in that Lethal Weapon TV series they relaunched. I never really watched it myself because of... Um, yeah, just leave the films alone. Stop making stuff into yeah, series yeah. sometimes. There are certain things just leave alone, but they don't. Um, and the last thing he did that would probably be a good thing for Marvel fans, he was actually in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as uh, Samuel Voss. Um, again, so if you'd have seen that, you know. But the biggest one, I suppose, and uh, not taking anything away from anybody else, would be obviously uh, Donna Lisi, Terry Hatcher. Obviously, um, yeah. that was the one thing you were looking forward to, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Watching this episode, we're seeing some. Oh, excuse me, sorry, a little bit, a little bit of context for everyone. I've got a bit of a tickly cough today, so if you hear me <laughs> coughing and spluttering, I apologise. Um, Terry Hatcher, funnily enough, my my wife is massively into the Desperate Housewives series, which yeah, finished a few, year, a few years she... ago, um, and it's just come on. I don't know if it's just come on, but we, my wife's just rediscovered it on a streaming service that she pays for. Um, so she's been re-watching that and has got properly into it and is loving it. And, 
you know, can't wait to sit down and, and watch the next episode. So, of course, I'm seeing Terry Hatcher in that all the time. When I put, when I watched Genesis for our first episode, yeah. I laid the DVD played on a bit into this one before I stopped it to to sort of wait until we were ready to review this episode. Yeah. And I saw her in then, and I was like, oh bloody hell, that's Susan from Desperate Icewives. Yeah, yeah. So that's where my mind went to, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, my mind went to when I saw her again from watching uh, the new adventures of Lois and Clark, the Superman series with the uh, yeah. you know yeah. uh, I've forgotten his name, Dean something played superman she was lois lane obviously um back in like 93 i think that series lasted for a fair few years i think it was 93 to 97 um as you mentioned girl as well she was i was about to say she's a bond girl as well she did obviously did desperate housewives uh she is a former um like uh lover or whatever of james is isn't she in uh i think it's tomorrow yeah tomorrow never dies um so she's in that so that was weird like she kind of had this sort of I say weird. She's had this growing um, career, really, since the 80s. I know she was in, it's not on this list, weirdly, which I find a bit weird. Is um, I mean, again, it's not the best film in the world. Um, she even made an actual appearance in Smallville, before I say the other film, uh, as uh, Ella Lane. So she actually was in Smallville. And now, again, at Smallville, I didn't really watch, to be honest with you, because my Superman days were, I was, wasn't as young. <laughs> I mean, in 93, right. I'm watching newest adventures of Lois and Clark and Power Rangers. So that's how old I was at the time. So, you know, um, by the time it gets to 2010, I'm not really bothered by Superman anymore. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Okay. Other things are going on. But she was in uh, no, Tango and Cash, I want to call it. I think that's what it was okay, called. Yeah. She's in that as well. She plays Kurt Russell. Uh, no, she plays Sylvester Stallone's sister, sorry. And she has like a thing with uh, Kurt Russell. I always thought that film should be called um, Cash and Tango. Maybe, it, I, I think British was called Tango and Cash. Uh, maybe it is on the list. I don't yeah, know. it was, yeah. Um, she's made appearances in other things like Two and a Half Men um, as well. I'm guessing one-offs because obviously um, then she was in Frasier as well, actually. I forgot about that. She was in Frasier. Um uh, only I think only one episode she was in, but you know, in stuff like Seinfeld as well. So she's had a freaking pretty established career, to be totally honest. And as you said, the more recent for you, I guess, would be Desperate Housewives. But yeah, that's the that's the end of my tropes for that one. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, great go. stuff. I, I always find it really interesting where these where these people were one shots like the like the actress or actor sorry who was in genesis who was uh that was their only ever appearance in anything and then you get the other side of the coin like with miss hatcher here who had a fantastic career and has been all over the place for decades so i always find it really interesting benny yeah i mean the i just want to quick now I mean, again I, I mean desperate housewives isn't really in my uh forte to be totally honest but like i did hear like all uh like these entertainment things somebody was saying that there there was at one point they didn't they purposely put terry hatcher off to the left or the right of the picture so she wasn't the center they didn't want to make the show about one person and of course terry hatcher being very popular and you know she's good looking <laughs> to be fair i think they didn't want it to make it, it the terry hatcher show essentially i guess and i remember there was talk about um a uh, bit of uh friction i believe <laughs> at least purposely putting her off to the left or the right of the picture so she wasn't the center is what i'm getting at so oh, okay. uh, whether you know again you you read these stories but whether there's any actual truth to them it, it's you know it's always up in the air isn't it <laughs> to be honest yeah yeah definitely yeah okay um so then this uh this leap as we said star cross <laughs> you can tell you're uh, very excited Sam. to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh yeah. Uh, Sam, uh, as Benny mentioned, leaps into a English literature professor at a, uh, I suppose in America, it's a college here. I suppose we might call it a university potentially, wouldn't we? Um, yeah, I would. I would say so. Yeah. And and the, the character he leaps into is um, a big drinker, a big womanizer, and he's basically fraternizing. I suppose is the correct term with his students. So straight away, you, you thought of this guy is a dirty lech. What are your initial thoughts then, Benny? Looking at, uh, watching this episode for the first time in a little while. What are your what were your first impressions? Your initial thoughts after you sort of ejected the DVD today. I mean, as we obviously left Genesis, we were talking about this one, and I, don't get me wrong, there are I, I do have a caca moment this time, um, but um, it's not as bad as I remember it being. But I t- the interactions between, and obviously Sam's a goody two shoes, but we're very quickly um, thrown into this. This bloke has definitely uh, had his, had this girl back to his house slash dorm, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he's in, you know, an illicit affair with a student. You know, this is 1972, but even so, it's like it's. I'm pretty sure it was frowned upon then <laughs> as well. Mm. Um, so the fact that this English teacher is because uh, he's a writer as well. Like, we don't really know what his book is, um, but he's wrote a book, and everybody's like, I'm guessing it's a romantic novel of some kind because you know he's teaching English lit, and they talk about Shakespeare and uh, Brom. What is it? Freaking, I don't know, Bromwell and stuff like that. Um, so I, you know, I'm not really an English lit person myself, but uh, <laughs> all these romantic stories and these, it's, the, the the class is primarily female. I think I don't think there's a single male in there. And this, no, I don't the, think so. No, and this guy that he's leapt into, not Sam, uh, the teacher that he's leapt into, I've forgotten his name actually, Gerald Bryant, um, has basically um, been engaging with, or at least uh, Jamie Lee, at least anyway. Um, is it Jamie Lee? Yeah. Um, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> there's an illicit affair going on there and obviously sam leaps in and is is basically discouraging it and trying to get her to leave and the the, the <laughs> this like giddy student acting all these romantic fantasies out with this old man essentially is is very cringy I it mean, is but it overall is. And, the episode's not too bad but that is that is the one thing that is really like oh god no <laughs> yeah and it's it's um it's hinted at that he has a reputation for doing this with more than one student, isn't it, as well, throughout the episode? Yeah, I mean, a lot um, of the students know as well. There's, you can see them whispering yeah. in the background, even the when we get to that meeting with Donna, like even she's like, I don't need to do that for an A in your class. I can get the A myself. And it's like, yeah. this guy's got a reputation. Um, how is he still at this school, you know? And I think it's a summer school as well. It's not even... It's like extra classes, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. so maybe there isn't the whole faculty's not there to see this going on. I don't know, but it's very cringy. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's not helped either by early in the episode when we first see our good buddy Al. He arrives and he's <laughs> eyeballing the young lass as well as she's straightening her skirt and so on. He's checking her out as Al always does, and normally it is what it is. Al is that way. You know, it's very much something of its time. That's the way the character is written. I appreciate that. But with this whole circumstances of this episode being based around that uh, that relationship, Al, looking at the young girl as well, came across a little bit more icky than usual. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, but um, I get where you, I get where you're coming from. I mean, we're starting to see Al a bit more like he appreciates the female form, shall we say? It's probably the nicest way I can so, say yeah. it. Um, compared to what this teacher would be like, Al's pretty much probably a saint, you know. It, 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 like you said, <laughs> he, but um, obviously Sam doesn't do any of this. Obviously, he's very much nipping this in the bud as soon as he gets there and realizes what's going on. Um, but yeah, Al checking her out as she stands back up and he's pretty much right there, isn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and not even like subtly like looking at her, like literally just staring at her um, uh, derriere, I believe is the nicest way I can put it. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a bit like, oh God. But I think it's, yes, it's not good. But like in terms of the teacher, it's very much... Um, it, I think it's almost passable from Al just looking to this what this teacher has been doing, really, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the, the whole episode kind of, it kind of takes a detour, doesn't it, I guess. It's very much when when Sam leaps in, when Sam arrives in 1972, it very early on becomes clear what he has to do. But then that gets completely forgotten about and the whole episode takes a, a wild kind of detour because on the campus is Terry Hatcher's character who in the future is in a relationship with Sam Beckett yeah. and she leaves him at the altar. So Sam sees this as an opportunity to fix something in his past yeah. sort of meddling, meddling in his own timeline, I guess before she even meets sam in the future um and the whole episode kind of becomes about that and sam trying to uh, i suppose this is why one of the reasons why I, I, i'm not a massive fan of this episode because sam he's obviously as you said benny to, to coin your phrase mr goody two shoes mr mr squeaky clean whatever and he's breaking the rules his own rules yeah to effectively i mean ultimately he's he's talking to donna the character who is going to become his future partner and he's manipulating her and trying to um yeah literally trying to manipulate the situation with donna in 1972 to benefit himself in the future yeah like, that didn't sit very well with me yeah he's trying to like so the backstory for that he i mean it does go into it in the episode obviously but just for people who may have not watched it is just he was he met Donna when he in when she was thirty, so I'm guessing he's roughly the same age at that point. They're due to get married. They have the wedding day, but she doesn't turn up. Um, so he's left at the altar. But like you said, he's using this. He's he's, he's playing it as well. I make the rule. I made the rule, so I can rescind it, which is not how it works because obviously there's a committee involved with the Quantum Leap project as well. Um, mm-hmm. That would have signed off on all these rules and regulations. You can't do anything to change your own um you know your own future or benefit you know or i don't know get the winning lottery numbers or something you know just anything like that <laughs> financial gain you can't do basically is what is getting at and obviously now you could give him an excuse in a sense of his swiss cheese brain but he's very much acting on passion i guess and i want her i guess to a degree mm. i want to be married to her it was so i don't think he fully remembers the pain of being left at the altar, but he enough that he remembers that he loves this woman. I know that because the way he acts um, and he isn't thinking clearly, as we all know, occasionally love doesn't make us think clearly <laughs> sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's the first real glimpse. I mean, obviously we're only, I suppose for us technically two episodes in, but really it's three, isn't it? Because of the Genesis episode, but um, 
yeah, he's very much trying to already better his future. I mean, as the story goes on, as we'll get into it, it, it there's a reason why she leaves him at the altar, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, he's already breaking his own rules, I guess. Yeah. But would he do that if his yeah. brain was Swiss cheesed? You know, I'm kind of deep diving in a bit more into the the character a bit more. It's a bit more, I don't know, adrenaline, I guess. Time traveling, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that would, I'd not excuse it, but trying to, his motivation, other than love, that's it, I think. And he's manipulating his own rules to get what he wants, which is not actually a goody two-shoes thing, is it, really? No, exactly. And I think you say you say about the Swiss, there's something else that I have an issue with this episode about as well. He's got this um, Swiss cheesed brain, as they keep referring to it as, through time travel and there's holes in his memory and so on. Yeah. But when it comes to Donna and their relationship and their wedding day, I mean, the wedding day is a perfect example. Yeah. He lists everything about the wedding day, even the temperature, um, the fact that he was sweating because it was X amount of temperature and, and so on. And he's very, very specific with lots of details. And I'm thinking, OK, I'm trying to place myself here back in 1989 when people are watching this show for the first time. Yeah. So you've just seen you've just seen the, the, the two part debut, I guess, of Genesis. So you're. Sam is getting established as a character that behaves a certain way. Al is a character that behaves a certain way. The, the show is being established as being what it is. Yeah. And then the very next episode, the first real kind of proper standalone leap, I guess, that we get, all of that seems to be thrown out the window. All of the sort of quantum leap rules, I guess, that make the show what it is. The Swiss cheese memory, not remembering much of his past. Um, he's always trying to do the right thing and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And he's there He's there for a purpose to put something right so he can leap out. That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the bare basis of the program. That's, well, that's drives, what it really boils down to. Yeah, I mean, it drives it, him... It, it, sorry, go on. None of that seems to apply massively for the majority of this episode. And that is where I kind of have a problem. Yeah, I mean, he, he very much from, from the almost the start of this episode. Actually, the drive he doesn't even hear Al out on what he's there to do. It's all focused yeah. on Donna. Like literally from that moment, as soon as he starts talking to Al, and he's managed to convince the young woman to leave his house, <laughs> he's his all focus is on Donna. So, um, I don't know. Like you said, maybe like you said, uh, obviously it's supposed to be Swiss cheese. Maybe he just remembers it. I don't know. But um, in terms of writing, maybe they kind of want you to feel because ultimately, what happens in the episode, he does do the right thing, doesn't he, to a degree? So they trying to make you f- like feel for Sam's personal backstory, so you feel more sorry for him, maybe. And it, but there, like you said, there is a lot of memory coming back to him after. Essentially, he's done. If you look at it, I suppose he's been Swiss cheesed. He uh, so he leapt into the to the X two scenario. Then he leapt into the. Um, baseball player now he's essentially the th- as far as we're concerned is in his third sort of leap isn't he really um mm-hmm. in that sense yep. so in, if anything if every leap's supposed to give him more swiss cheese brain um but then it's quite a convenient thing throughout the series anyway because sometimes he remembers stuff and sometimes he doesn't um it's a good way of looking at it to be honest so i, I hadn't thought of it that way but like i'm also trying to defend it <laughs> i guess yeah <laughs> to, no i understand um, i understand but yeah there's a lot of driving him from the moment this episode starts to help donna or help himself i think it's more at least to begin with i would say in this episode it's very much wanting to help himself um uh to get donna back i guess mm. i mean would you know 
if if you watch, obviously we watched the episode back. I watched it back today, and, and I, I know you did as well, Benny. Um, so we know watching it back, it's not the first time we've seen it. We know how the the, the episode <clears throat> kind of ends and so on. Yeah. Um, if it was the first time watching it today, would you know what Sam was there to do until literally the last couple of scenes? I think I don't even think Al gets any any a really a sentence out, does he? He does get something out a bit later on, but straight from the off the offset, you he kind of cuts Al off, like I said, and he doesn't even really give him chance. So, I would say probably about twenty five minutes in, maybe thirty minutes in, like you said, near the end of the episode, we then kind of realize what he's actually there, or at least what Ziggy um, is, you know, trying to tell him to what to do. So mm. it's very much, um, yeah, I think it's near the end before you really get why he's there um obviously i was something i want to move if we're going to move on i just want to say like the imaging chamber stuff with al i really liked as well in this yeah um yeah because, i agree that was excellent because you get this you because they don't really you i mean i know because i've seen it but they don't really explain the imaging chamber apart from he does a little bit he says well you're a hologram to me and you know i'm a hologram to you and all this kind of stuff but for the first time you really see i mean that we haven't got the classic white door opening yet uh, yet, but he, you know, Al gets dragged out of the imaging chamber by nobody, from our point of view, from Sam's. So it's, you get more of a sense of that, you know, he is in this device called the imaging chamber in this episode. So you know, they're, they're, you know, switching it from the negative to the positive. <laughs> but yeah, yeah um, it is. It is. It's cool. I mean, it's, it's a cool little moment, isn't it? When he's um, he's effectively trying to, he's being watched, isn't he, by the committee? Yes, yeah. Uh, of, of quantum leap and so on because they think he's been giving sam information well, basically, um, that he shouldn't be giving him which of course he has been <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he's obviously as, as we've already touched upon sam's breaking the rules by trying to uh, benefit his own future so mm-hmm. they know this al there's a committee involved which we don't see but al's like i can't help you i can't help you but because he he's best friends with sam i guess and you know the the relationship's still new to sam to a degree um he wants to help his mate out and he does break the rules, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, he is, Sam's trying to, like you said, he's trying to benefit his own future. So, which is a big no, no. It's like one of the top rules that Sam Beckett himself, um, made when, you know, embarking on quantum leap. So for him to be very, but then would he be like that if his brain wasn't, you know, or Swiss cheese, as they say, we say that a lot on this show, take a shot every time you say Swiss cheese. Um. <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean speaking there as well very briefly about ziggy um this episode was actually written by deborah pratt who was the voice of ziggy the female voice of yes, ziggy, the yeah. computer um and she was for a while married to the creator of the show donald p belisario so that's a a lovely little nugget there that i quite enjoyed yes um, yeah she actually uh, plays she plays a role actually in the show even as a character later on uh, we're not there yet, obviously, but I just want to throw that yeah. out there. Little, little uh, Ziggy moment there. Um, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, ultimately, we end up with uh, this this um, Southern American, South African, whatever lady, kid, student, etc., who is besotted with her her professor, this Professor Bryant, um, but. We eventually discover that she is supposed to be with this um, jock, I suppose is the correct term. Uh, yeah, another yeah. student who is part of the wrestling team and a, a big burly fella. Um, but he's not very good with 
with words or expressing his emotions and so on. And Definitely that machismo Jamie... type thing in it, really, from yeah. this character. Yeah, yeah, as you would expect, how they portray most American soccer—not soccer, sorry, jocks, sorry—sports um, uh, athletes in the states. You know, very much yeah. like <laughs> he is very much an embodiment of the uh, knuckle dragger. I think, to be honest, that's the yeah, yeah, definitely, you know... that, yeah, exactly. Uh, the whole purpose of the leap, it turns out, is that Sam is to make sure that the um, jock stays with Jamie Lee. They they, they end up a couple, um, but again, that gets effectively forgotten for the majority of the episode or not even really fully explained as Sam is trying to um, basically sort out his own issues, I guess. Um, we end yeah. up... Effectively, the episode is him trying to befriend Terry Hatcher's character. Well, yeah, Eventually, we... he does. Yeah, but and then he decides that he's going to drive them across America yeah. to see her dad. This is not normal behavior. No. <laughs> and and as, as, as I've already said, well, we've already said that the character he's leapt into, this professor, this English lit professor, um, uh, Gerald Bryant, is basically um, a lech, <laughs> really bad. He's yeah. sleeping with students. The students know this. Donna knows this as well. Um, so it takes a little bit of convincing from Sam to sort of befriend uh you know elise you know to to get talking about science and all this kind of stuff they have a little montage of them explaining the quantum not the quantum leap theory time travel theory as well um uh, so yeah it takes a little bit but then ultimately she's looking at this old man that sleeps with students to give them a's and stuff you know so you can imagine it her being very well she is very reluctant isn't she to begin with so Ooh. it's um you could imagine that though <laughs> So all of a sudden this teacher takes an interest in you like what the hell you know it, it's... yeah it's all a bit yeah i know <laughs> um eventually like i said we, we get to the sam effectively gets to the conclusion that um donna's character left him at the altar because of i suppose the stereotypical daddy issues i guess um her dad left her at an early age yeah um and this has had an effect on her um, emotionally, which causes her to well, not act trust the way any, she not, does. Not trust in, in anybody, really. Yeah, it doesn't want to open yeah. herself up to yeah. a relationship because the first male relationship she had in her life, if you want to go sort of, you know, psychiatrist side of it, has let her down and disappeared. So why would I open myself up to um, another guy, really? Um, yeah. Just forget to my. She's afraid of getting a heartbroken. It's essentially the reason why. She leaves um, Sam at the altar. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. And in his in his wisdom, his his however you want to word it, Sam decides right. Well, if I can get her to speak to her dad, then she won't leave me in the altar in the future. Which of course makes absolutely perfect sense. Well done, yeah. Sam. Um, <laughs> so he tries to speak to uh, um, Donna's father on the telephone. That's Doesn't it, yeah. really go anywhere. So he decides, sod it, I'm going to drive you there. So he and Donna um, get hold of Jamie Lee and the jock. What was his name, Oscar. Benny? Uh, Oscar. This... Sorry? Oscar, his name is. Oscar. That's Using good. his uh, for GTO car. Little side that note. That is a cool car. Man. It that is, is man, a nice yeah. car. Um, the, her, I mean, Alicia, or Terry Hatcher's character's father, is going. Uh, he's also in the military, which is why when he left, he left. You know, he's always traveling around, I guess. But he, the reason there's such an urgency to get him, get Alicia there, sorry, Donna, and the father together is because her father's going to be shipping out for Vietnam. This is 1972. 
you know this is yes. all going on um in the in, so it's, it's in the background isn't it you see news reports going on um about the upcoming election as well which is obviously uh which you know when he you know we'll get into in a second but there's they always sort of foreshadow what's going on in, at that time in that era what would have been going on you know some you can literally if you've watched it for the first time you could not miss it but you don't really pay much attention to it because you're focusing on sam acting like a bit of a goof to be totally honest trying to get his love back in this old man's body <laughs> which makes no sense because why would you uh, believe you know um this lecherous uh, teacher but yeah the the urgency's there because her dad's going to be shipping out and if there is you know they don't they haven't researched it they don't know whether the dad's going to be coming home from Vietnam. Obviously, you know, it's a war. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that, exactly. that, that incites the urgency for Sam to get Donna there, really. Yeah, exactly. So that they jump in this really smart GTO <laughs> motor. It's really, really cool. I all like right, it Clarkson, a lot. Calm um, down. And just trek all the way over to go and, and, and see her dad. And ultimately, they get in the building. Um, there's no... There's no way of contacting him. The, the phone, is, the security guards or the or the police who are guarding the doorway to this military complex <clears> basically tell Sam and Donna um, or Professor Bryant and Donna to them, I guess, that yeah. they, they try to ring her dad, but his phone is set to do not disturb. So they try and uh, Sam and Donna say, well, let's go and see him. They won't let them through. So they effectively have to kind of sneak in through a side door, break in another way, don't they, Benny? Yeah, I mean... Uh... Yeah, the the, the the like as you said, the guards. Uh, you know, there's a no, dis- not do not disturb. You know, the colonel and all this kind of stuff. So they're not going to. You know, you know, for somebody, they, and they can't prove that Donna is his daughter because she's got the one, no ID, and two, she says I'm using my mother's uh, maiden name. So she didn't take mm. her father's name either because I'm assuming because he left. I mean, a little side note there. They do when they're on the phone, Sam. And the father had this conversation, and the father does say, "Look, I didn't leave her. Me, her and me and her mum splitting up is not Donna's fault." But obviously, Donna doesn't know this, and Sam's trying to convince him to see her and everything. Um, so, it, yeah, they sort of sneak around the outside of the building. Um, they find a side door that happens to be open. Now, when I first watched it, I was like, "Well, that's convenient," but it's um, actually somebody's already broke in because this building. For anybody that knows any of their history and some of this, at least U.S. scandal stuff, this is actually the Watergate building that got broken yes. into. Um, so this that tape, night, that <laughs> night as well, very conveniently that night is a kiss with history, as they call it in this show. Um, now then, obviously not they're not they're not breaking in to uncover this uh, administration bribery stuff that was going on. I don't know the whole story behind that, to be totally honest. I read up a little bit on it today to try and get an idea of it, so I didn't know how much we were going to dive into it, but it's American politics. They were siphoning money. They told the public they weren't putting any more money into the Vietnam War when they did, or the previous administration did, and there's a whole scandal over it because they were basically siphoning money off to fund this war effort that they told the public they weren't doing, basically. So, um, yeah. There's all there that. was lots of evidence available. Yes. Uh, and so to really back this up. And it ended up with Nixon basically being kicked out of office. It, it did, yes, yeah. But this just happens to be the Watergate building. Um, see, to me, it's, I, don't, I always thought the Watergate building was an office complex. So, so if, uh, they must have um, rooms up there then. So I thought he was in a hotel. I didn't realize the way they do it is very clever. If you've ever watched it, and obviously we, maybe we should have said every episode there's going to be, there's spoiler alert, <laughs> basically. So if you haven't watched it, I apologize. I apologize. But. It's just um, when you watch it, you feel as though even when I watched it again today, I felt as though he was in a hotel somewhere. Why would he be in an office complex? You know, so I'm guessing there's some Ooh. sort of rooms up there, you know, for him to stay in. So um, 
They sneak in via a side door. Um, security guard didn't like the look of the guy that Sam's leapt into, the doctor, uh, the, you know, uh, Bright, uh, what's his name? I always forget his name. It's terrible. Bryant. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gerald Bryant. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, that's so, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gerald Bryant. So, um, yeah, the one security guard doesn't like the look of him. And to be honest, once you see the mirror image, you'll see why. Um, you know, he looks, he, he does look a bit of a shady character, doesn't he? I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be yeah. horrible to the actor or anything. The actor is actually, you know, you see him a few times in the mirror, um, unlike some of the uh, mirror images you get. But, um, you know, he the most, um, <laughs> he looks stodgy and he's with a young woman late at night, you know, or early in the morning in Washington, D.C., trying to get into a building to see a colonel with some young girl, which seems, you know, to them a bit. But he, they go out and check the card. It's got Ohio plates on it and... Uh, the security guard finds the door, and uh, by this point, uh, Sam and Donna are inside the building, so trying to find her father. Yeah, that's right. Um, Jamie Lee and Oscar are in the back seat of the car, hiding from the security guards. Um, I'm not 100% sure why they're hiding exactly, because it's his car, and they're just kind of parked up. I don't really see the issue that they've uh, got to hide from? I, th- I think when they left them, weren't they asleep? When Donna and Sam leave them in the car, they're initially they're they've been driving like four hundred yeah. miles, so I think they're actually asleep to begin with. Then they get they get sort of disturbed by the security guard. Like, oh, we're going to get in trouble. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't really know why they're hiding. Maybe they, they should have just come out. Oh no, we're we're just here trying to see yeah, somebody's my car. Mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they could have got away with um, just saying we were just getting it on in the back seat. <laughs> For God's sake, that's what yeah. they could have done. Really, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't exactly. think of it till now, but um, yeah, they <laughs> But yeah, they're they're hiding in the back seat. Um, Donna ultimately meets with her father. There's an emotional reunion. Um, Sam is then doing some wonderful whistling, um, humming, and, and dancing down the stairs because he thinks he's fixed. Well, just a all little, the problems. Yeah, just a little side note because we didn't touch upon it. I was going to, and I forgot. Um, just, just so, just before this, they stop off at a garage, don't they, to fill up on fuel? And yes. Al reminds Sam that yes, you can fix the relationship, but before she was engaged to you, Donna was engaged to somebody else, which means she could marry that guy and not you. So then Sam's yeah. left in a bit of an ultimate sort of like, oh, but selfishly or selflessly, sorry, not selfishly, selflessly, he does, you know, reunite them. So. Yes, it starts off with Sam being very like selfish and wanting to fix his relationship with Donna so he can have her. There's a potential here that he could not end up with her, but fix the relationship for this at the time, a young woman that he hasn't technically met yet. It just you know, makes no sense. <laughs> what do you mean it makes no sense? What are you playing at? <laughs> do you know why, why? Why Sam? Just play by the rules, fix the problem that Al's not told you about, and leap out of there, mate. But he's, he's all driving a 400 miles to go take a girl to go and see some bloke chance in for a long time to fix a, a, a daddy issues and abandonment issues from way back when for so in 12 years in the future she might leave one bloke to be with you it's just nonsense oh boy <laughs> just um <laughs> it's just like i get i get your point of view if you think about it as well, watch it back. I know you don't want to, but watch it back because he's almostly, clumsily, clumsily, I can't talk, uh, fixing this relationship between um, Jamie Lee and Oscar at the same time in the back of the car by saying certain things because she's like, they see a buck and like Oscar's like, bang, and like, oh, you kill that little animal. And it's like, for God's sake, shut yeah. up. 
<laughs> it's very seventies <laughs> hippie disco thing going on. I don't know what it is. Peace, man. You know, the, uh, you know um, yeah, just... ultimately Sam Sam's dancing around down the stairs, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I was like, well, why are you so happy? And he's all, I've, I've done this, and um, uh, but I've not leapt yet. And then we cut to the back of the car where um oscar and jamie jamie lee or jamie lynn jamie lee isn't it jamie um, lee yeah. is yeah a, a cuddling on, on the uh on the back seat he says something that the professor told him to say because jamie earlier lee on in the episode enjoys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 jamie lee that's what i mean he's he, he is kind of he is still. he is helping do you know what i mean he's he doesn't want to but he is helping as it goes it on <laughs> yeah he, he still did it mate <laughs> that's it so then it ultimately it ends up with Jamie being oh, I suppose swept off her feet, her breath being took away by Oscar's newfound um emotion and they have a bit of a smooch. Uh, well I say a bit of a smooch, Oscar damn near takes her face off, doesn't he? <laughs> he's a big lad as well, isn't he? So he's <laughs> he's got a big old gob to be kissing that young girl with, hasn't he? My goodness, <laughs> he only sucks her face off. Um and that and that causes Sam to leap. So Yeah. Yeah, that was that. That was that, as they say, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I will admit, it's not my favourite episode, in fairness. Um, but it's not as bad as I remember it being. You know, there are some cringy moments, which we'll get into. We'll do our. Uh, should we do the? We we'll do the caca and the oh boy moments in a second. Um, but um, yeah. overall, um, I, I mean, if if you want to get, if I want to give the out of five score, I I, I would give it a three. Um, to be honest. You know, and that's being generous to it because it's it, in my head when I before we even watched it, I was like a two point five. Um, so I'm being a bit more generous than probably what I need to be for it. But um, you know, inadvertently, Sam brings these two kids together while trying to fix another relationship, sort of two for one. Should he have been doing it? No, I agree. Um, but he did do it, and he did successfully at risk of not actually ending up with her as well because she could. The first guy she was engaged to, she ran out on as well because of not Ooh. having this relationship fixed with her father. So by doing it, he's also risking his selfless, basically. So he is, you know, he is, he shouldn't be doing it. You're right. But he did do it and he did it for her ultimately. So, you know, it, he did, he kind of came good at the end, even though he was breaking his own rules, I think, from my point of view, at least anyway. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna break the episode out of, out of five now, seeing, seeing as uh, you've given yours, Benny, I, I can't go higher than a two. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> it's just. Uh, do you want to do? Your, I, do you watched, want to, do, do you... I watched it. I watched it, and I liked it because it's quantum leap. Yeah. But when I compare it to the rest of the series, this is going to yeah. mark quite low on my list. I'm more giving it the the extra zero point five because of Sam's. You know, again, like I said, he shouldn't have been doing it, but fixing that relationship for Donna when it could not actually benefit him is still the right thing to do, isn't it, really? I get to a degree. It isn't what he was there to do. Oh, I think you're grasping at straws, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are very, very... You are essentially Oscar, mate. You've got no romantic <laughs> feelings in there whatsoever, you know. My mouth ain't big enough to be Oscar. <laughs> I can't swallow a whole lady's head in one go. Um... You've got to find context, the right size lady. I I don't, That's what you've got to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is any insight into how the viewing public saw this episode, but yeah. this episode, um, when it was first broadcast, uh, gathered 15.7 million viewers. Wow. The next week's episode 
was 3.7 million down. So people watched this and nearly well yeah, over three that. and a half million people didn't tune in next week. Yeah, I can I can see so that, kind of to that be you know. I can see that because it again it's not the it's not the best episode, is it, to be fair? I mean nah. I mean I on I mean I'm I'm looking on IMDB right now and it says it's got a seven point seven rating for this episode. So they're being very generous. They, I think they are being very generous, to be fair. But I think that speaks volumes of it. I don't, but I'm I'm not going to be too thingy about it because I know Quantum Leap suffered in the first season, especially even into the second, where they aired the episode, the the show at different times. So is yeah, that, they bumped it around, yeah. So is that we need to find out whether that's I would understand why because of the episode, it isn't the best. Like you said, for a standalone, I probably would have done this first. This wouldn't have been my first episode. I, I don't think, think that's a really, really good point, Benny, that you struck on there. If this was the, this is obviously the first standalone leap, as we call it. Yeah. If this was, say, halfway through season two, when the show's format and the characters were really properly bedded in and established. Yeah. I think this may have come across a bit better because yeah. then. Sam breaking the rules and 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 the behaviour of the characters and so on, I, I think would have more more to it than just literally throwing this in straight away. Yeah, because he's Does helped. Yeah, because he's helped other people, but mm. I'm not allowed to help the people I care about. You know, type thing. So I think maybe sticking this a bit later on, maybe even the because la- we'll get there, but maybe even shove this at the end of the series. To be totally honest, because this first series isn't that long, obviously. Mm. Um, maybe stick this as the last episode, you know, to set it up, yeah. you know. Um, but then, I don't know. But yeah, that 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 drop in uh, people watching, right? I think you. I think more than likely it is because of the episode. But it, we need to look into whether it was the scheduling as well, because they did move the show around a lot. But whether they did that, yeah. Well, this was um, Starcross was first broadcast on the thirty first of March. The next episode was broadcast the seventh of April, so that would dictate a week and a day's difference. So yeah. potentially on a different night. Um, but Possibly, yeah, well, I'll yeah. before our next recording, I'll look into these uh, these scheduling issues a little <clears> bit more, and, and I'll report back for us, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. But yeah, I can understand. I mean, I'm being generous with my three. To be totally honest, I'm not going to lie. I am being a bit more generous because it's not as in my head. It's like going to see a film when somebody says it's really good, you go and see it, and you go it was all right. And then if somebody says the film's really bad, you go and see it, and you go it was all right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, you've got a different <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> perspective. So my head uh, was very much in not. I mean, again, if I was to stick the first season in front of me, this wouldn't be the episode I picked. It's not a bad no. episode, but it, this wouldn't be the episode I picked. So, but yeah. yeah. So, shall we do before we go? Do you want to do your caca moment? I'm sure. I feel like there's going to be a few from you. <laughs> um, I, I think my 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 caca moment is literally just Sam breaking the rules. Um, yeah. The whole sleaziness of the character and the situation is what it is. It's not nice, but at the same time. I don't mind it that much because obviously Sam's not that individual. He's let yeah. in to change that. So I, I, I appreciate that. Um, but my, caca. I suppose my main caca moment would be Sam breaking the rules and behaving the way he is. And <clears> also <throat> probably the biggest caca moment for me is Jamie Lynn's Jamie Lee's bloody accent. Went a little caca. caca moment. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll play it again. Went a little caca. So that's your caca moments. To be honest, in- my, my, my caca moments as well. Uh, moment really is, the way she acts is so cringy to watch. The way she, when she comes in dressed is um, Guinevere 
through yeah. the window and stuff, and she flings <laughs> the dress in his face. It's funny to watch, but when you take up the funny side of it, she's throwing herself at this old... Hey, it makes all sorts to make a world, but this is a student with a teacher we're talking about here. It's not... It's, it's cringy to watch. Um, mm. And Oscar's a bit of a... You know, initially he's a bit of an annoying character as well, to be honest. Um, but the biggest one is her again. You know, again, not taking anything away from the actress is a bit mean because I'm sure she's a good actress, but like not in this, <laughs> in the way. She, but it's yeah. more it's more her throwing herself at the teacher and the fact that this teacher before Sam got there has let this happen as well. Um, and the way she's all sort of lovey-dovey throwing a dress at him and like not taking it off, but like it's a long dress. So she hurls in his face. That that made me chuckle. Um you know, Sam manages to convince her. But yeah, I would say that sort of behaviour, I don't know what it is. It could be the actress or it could be the situation, but it's it, it's very cringy. So Went a little caca. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of oh boy, um, there's some good moments in this. I like the fact that Sam risked the fact that he could have not ended up, even though he shouldn't be doing it, you know, um, I wouldn't say it's my old boy. My old boy moment, actually, I'll just go to that instead. We've already covered that. Is the same moment where Jamie Lee has come in, dresses Guinevere, and he manages to convince her to leave. She goes out the door, but then reappears at the window. And she's like, but my love will, and all this kind of stuff. She's, my love will ache for you, and all this kind of stuff. Then she goes, peace, at the end. But what yeah. I like about it, not only has she done that, that's funny, but Al stood there with Sam and just looks at her and does peace back to her. And I, I love that. I, just, I thought that was really funny. So that's my uh, good oh boy moment. Oh boy. <laughs> so I don't yeah, know what yours definitely. is. I've, I've, got, um, I've got two, again, a, a little one and a main one, I suppose. Okay. Um, my first that I got a little kick out of was when Al, uh, uh, sorry, Sam and Al first walk into the sort of student bar, the, the sort of hangout. Oh, they have, they, yeah. And they've got like all the psychedelic lights and the black lights and so on. And it makes Al being a hologram look like a ghost. And yeah. Sam actually comments on it and saying, you know, that, I thought that was a really nice little touch with the lighting changing how the hologram comes across. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> but my, my biggest and main one. Yep. Um, and I, I get a massive kick out of stuff like this. And the, the the more episodes we cover, the further into the show we go, Benny, you'll appreciate that what I, what I appreciate, what I like and what I dislike, and you'll know that this is something right up my street. Um, you, you make sure you're vocal about it. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the sort of, uh, the Watergate scandal crossover, I guess. Yeah, the little um, kisses the little with history, of real history. And yeah, that. I, I really enjoy those moments. I do as well, actually. To be fair, I would say we can pretty much say most of the uh, kisses with history are the uh, good old boy moments, definitely. Oh boy! So yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, before we um, sort of say tala and get out of here, our next episode is <laughs> the right hand of God. Any memories or thoughts of that yeah. before we watch it? Benny? Okay. So I haven't watched it, so. <clears throat> This is, if I remember right, no, he's not a priest. He leaps into a boxer that a church has obtained the contract via somebody passing away, I think. If that, is, that, mm-hmm. is that right? And he's a boxer. Kind of got that Rocky vibe in this episode, if I remember rightly. Off the top of my head, I remember when I watched it the first time, again, only remember vaguely, it's, it's a good episode, but again, it wasn't one that really... It isn't one of my favourites, but... Um, I feel like, because I think we're going, where was he, 1972? And then we leap forward two years to 1974, I think. Um, yes. Off the top of my head, 
I think it's a good episode, but I don't think it's, I don't remember everything in it, so I can't give you any sort of snippets in it. But that's what the watchbacks for. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's, 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 he's I know he's a boxer, um, and he's trying to having, help. Sorry, he's a boxer, isn't he? And he's trying to help them finance a new church, I believe. I think that's a general gist of it. But I can't remember much in the in the episode. To be totally honest with you, so this yeah. is going to be an interesting one actually for the next episode because I don't remember it. So I remember good. liking it. I remember just literally reading the title straight away. I got sort of thoughts of him. Uh, being this boxer and trying to raise money for I don't know whether it was a church or the church's roof or something along those lines. <laughs> That's so Fund- generic. The t- church's roof. <laughs> yeah, some sort of some sort of fundraising effort, I guess. And I don't <clears throat> know if he's um, being told to throw a fight at one point oh. or something. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I remember enjoying this episode. So, and again, okay. this is what I find fascinating about this whole watchback we're doing. I have memories of this episode of me enjoying this episode but no specific memories of the episode itself so we may watch it back and i may think this is great i was right or we may watch it back and well it's yeah. not as good as i remember well, so yeah it's gonna be really interesting i mean a bit like the, the current one we just done really starcrossed I, it's it ain't the best as we've already discussed but like i remember it being in my head i, th- I had it worse so actually I, i'm actually i suppose i've ended up liking it a bit more than i thought i would to to a degree you know so in terms of my score, because I was going in thinking, I'm trying to think now, like, right hand of God, I'm trying to give it a score in my head, what I remember of it, and see what I actually think after I've watched it. So, I mean, I initially, mm. you know, star-crossed, I thought maybe two, uh, 2.5 maybe, but I've gone for, a, you know, a, a three, because <laughs> it isn't as bad. And you're, I'm a, probably, I think I must be a bit more sentimental than you. <laughs> that's all I'm going to go with on that one. <laughs> I think that's what we've learned I today. Know, I just know there's a lot more. You, you, were you a prefect at school? Were you one of these? Don't run! Don't do that! You, are you, are you, did Mate, you? Have your... I, was, I wasn't well behaved <laughs> enough to become a prefect. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, anyway, telling Sam off and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. So there we go. Then next time we speak with you all, we'll be looking at the season one episode. How the uh, the right hand of God? Sorry, episode four. Episode four. Yeah, um, it'll be good. Benny, before we depart, do you want to let people know where they can find us on some of the social medias as well as your good self? Yeah, yeah. Myself, you can follow me at Benny Mac, B-E-N-N-Y-M-A-C-K. Um, we'll to, I think they're on the Twitter as well. But uh, you can also follow the actual Waiting Room Pod podcast. Um, you can find it on Facebook, Waiting Room Pod. And then Instagram, you can find uh, it's at the Waiting Room Pod underscore. And then throw it to you, Si, because you've got the Twitter in front of you. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, my Twitter is at SJP Words. And for the show, you can follow us at Waiting Room Pod underscore. Give all our social medias a follow. Get involved on there. Let us know your thoughts, memories. Um, Absolutely. And just general feelings about the episodes we're watching back, whether you're watching along with us, um, whether you're, what you enjoy, what you dislike, and so on. And let's um, I know yeah. that episode is not as bad as he thinks it is. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Brilliant. it back, people. It was on Sci-Fi um, on the 28th of the 7th. It'll be available on demand or buy the DVDs. Watch it back. Message us and let us know what you think. Okay, star <laughs> Okay, season one, episode three. There we go. <laughs> right then, Benny, I, I'm done if you're done, my friend. Yeah, time to leap out like we normally do. We'll see you next time for The Right Hand of God. See you again, Sorry. Ta-da, mate. Coming up next time on The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. I don't think you really needed this added to the episode. There was enough well, peril going on. There was enough story yeah. there. There's, there's a couple of different storylines running at the same time. It almost felt 
I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it, it worked because of the character there and what they were doing and so on, but it almost felt like they they, they almost crowbarred in this extra detail. See, it's amazing. Like, like I said, this, that's the whole point of this podcast is to see different people's perspectives on it. 